0: oh boy
1: welcome in brand new tuesday scramble june 7th 2022 i'm rick game of that right there andy lack andy uh the golf world is on fire right now
0: yeah it's exploding (laughs) i haven't there's there's stuff going on right now like did you see the jack nicholas digital uh renderings tweet no okay so there's stuff going on right now that is just it's not even it's noon and uh Some of the stuff that's come out would be like regular, the biggest news story of like a a week. And we've gotten about eight of these in the last three hours.
1: Yes. And we are not used to this, right? With uh, golf is generally a, uh, a pretty easy sport to cover. There's not a lot of breaking news. It's not like there's trades or free agency or anything like that. But we are getting a taste of it for the first time.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe we don't know about trades because who knows Girl. if the high flyers are going to trade their second round draft pick to the, to the, uh, to the, aces. To the Yeah. To the Aces. <laughs>
1: All right. Let's, I mean, we got a lot to cover. Let's jump into this. Uh, the cat, the big cat. Yes. Him. Tiger Woods, uh, has released a statement that he will not be competing in the U S open quote as my body needs more time to get stronger for major championship golf he continues to say I do hope and plan to be ready to play in Ireland at the uh that JP McManus Pro-Am and then the Open Championship next month so Tiger's not playing the U.S. Open he is going to work on the body and go to what I think you and I both agree Andy is like probably the best major championship opportunity that he has left. Is that a fair statement?
0: Yeah, I think it depending on the conditions of the masters every year, I I, I would say that's fair. I always think both of us believed that the U S open of the four majors was probably going to be the worst setup for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the country club, you know, I think the biggest thing that I was worrying about is, his back trying to hack balls out of that super thick, you know, four or five, six inch rough. So I was pretty bearish on him heading into this U S open already. So to see him say, you know what, I'm going to give him, uh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, put all my eggs in the basket of the open championship. That makes a lot of sense to me as a golf decision.
1: Yeah. And he was, I mean, he looked physically looked worse at the PGA Championship than I felt like he looked at like at at Augusta National. And I think it is a reminder that he is still very much in active rehabilitation and he is still very much at the mercy of how he feels when he wakes up. Sometimes it's going to be better than others. Sometimes it's going to be worse than others. You hope for a four-day stretch that it is better than most, and he's going to take the time to continue to get stronger. I think it's smart. I mean, we talk about you know the, the, the ease of walk around St. Andrews, how flat it is, the creativity required to win an Open Championship. Uh, because they use the Rota, this is very likely the last time Tiger Woods even plays a major championship at St. Andrews, let alone in anything resembling um, competitive ability. I I mean, this is, I I'm from someone who obviously Tiger Woods does not care one lick about his opinion. I'm on board with this.
0: (laughs) So let me ask you this. Would you feel more encouraged about him going into the open championship now, or if he like made another cut at a major and I don't know, was maybe a slight positive in the ball striking department?
1: Yeah. Good question. I don't know because it's, Look Like looking at the results and looking at the stats are so much different. If you like watched him, right. Right. If you watched every shot that he hit at the PGA championship or at Southern Hills, you'd be like, Oh man, like that looks, that looks tough. Looks like he's, looks like he's struggling out there. Right. I wish I didn't, I wish I didn't see that. And I could just open up the paper and say, Oh, tiger made the cut. That's awesome. That's great news. He must've been great. So um, they're, they're very much, I think we are very much treating tiger in the category of eye test right now.
0: I would agree with you. Right. And I, and I think, uh, to answer the question for myself too, I, I don't know if it changes much because I didn't have super, super high expectations for the U S open for him. Anyway. Um, I did think what would have been fun would have been if they gave us like a Phil tiger matchup at the U S open. So, uh, he surely of course will be missed, but Rick, I, I gotta say, I don't think we'll be skimped on uh, storylines at Brookline next week.
1: No. And as someone who will be there, I was, I was excited to see tiger and walk with him and all that stuff. But, but listen, cat, get, get healthy. I'll, I'll walk with one of a million other guys, right? Like it's going to be, it's going to be bonkers because as you mentioned, Phil Mickelson also broke his silence this week, hundred plus days since we heard from all Phil and he Confirmed he will be teeing it up in London for the Live Golf event. That is no surprise. He also said he intends to play the major championships, Andy, which I guess also no surprise. So Brookline's going to be bonkers when Phil plays in London this week and then goes to Brookline and has to answer questions and just deal with the circus that, that will happen.
0: Do you, so is Phil on, because I know we've started to see the press conferences already. Is Phil, does Phil supposed to give a press conference for Liv? Because I know we got DJ and Graham McDowell and Gooch and some of those guys yet. But is his first time really addressing the media going to be at Brookline or is he going to be at Liv? I don't even, I haven't even seen him press conference yet.
1: I guess technically, if he really doesn't want to, he doesn't have to do a press conference anywhere. Right. He doesn't have to do one at live and he hasn't been, they've been doing like these group press conferences, which I think is an interesting little tactic. Um, If he doesn't do one at live and the USGA says, Hey, can we put you on the the docket for a a press conference on Tuesday? And he says, no, like, what are they, what are they going to do? You know, media is going to try to grab him like before, after rounds or whatever, but he technically, if he really doesn't want to, doesn't really have to sit down and say anything.
0: Yeah. You know, I would imagine though that if you're gonna go and play the U.S. Open, I think you got to be ready to face the music and in in a bunch of he can't put it off forever, right? So you know, it's it he's got to get it out of the way at some point. And I think that uh, a lot of it, Rick, is going to depend how we feel about Phil next week. How I think many of the media members treat Phil next week is going to come down to how this live event kind of goes off, right? Like it right now it's very easy. It, the jokes right itself, right? So what's going to be interesting to me is, you know, how much of a spectacle does this turn into? And then that's probably how we'll start to approach DJ and Phil going forward for the U S open.
1: And Phil's been getting his reps in. He did an interview with Bob Herrig. He did an interview right. with, I believe, also the Washington Post. So he's been getting his reps in and he's been asked, hey, how do you reconcile this with the, the murder of Jamal Khashoggi and all these other things? And uh, he's he's staying on brand, right? PR people are, are happy uh, for the moment, but we'll see how long that can continue. Usually, It usually doesn't last too long before Phil sticks up his own foot in his mouth at some point. Uh,
0: have you gotten started on the buck at all?
1: Oh, I'm done. The book, the shipnuck the ship, book. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm done.
0: Okay. I'm yeah. like 40% through. I'm loving it.
1: Yes, it is. Uh, it, it's a really just, I mean, it's over like 25 years Uh like it starts with like Phil in high school or like as an amateur, like a kid growing up. And it's really just, it really just paints the picture of how Phil is perceived, how Phil perceives himself, how his peers perceive. It's like a very, It's a very interesting read
0: yeah i'm enjoying the hell of it right now and i what i like about it too is it it's basically just outlining okay here are the stories that are happens you know it kind of is not too salacious but it's still also so absurd you guys the readers you guys can make your own decision on phil right i'm not going to try and sell you on him being a good guy or bad guy you guys make your own decisions on him
1: Yeah. Shipnuck doesn't even really add his opinion all that much. It's like, here is a story. Here's a story that so-and-so told me here is a quote that Phil gave me on the record. Here is like, and it's just all compiled in one spot. There's really little opinion in it from Alan Shipnuck,
0: which I think is a good way to do a biography. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to finish reading it and very, very, very excited to, uh, to see him in I guess live I guess we're gonna be able to watch it on YouTube right
1: Yeah so um, the wheels continue to turn here on live officially Kevin Nod, Dustin Johnson Sergio Garcia Charles Schwartzl, Brandon Grace all have resigned from the PGA tour the Twitter lawyers tell me Andy that this is um, basically a, a pretty good defense against any potential punishment from the PGA tour because it's like hey I'm not I'm not a member can't punish me and also likely ensures that they still gain access to their pension and their retirement plan through the tour because they are like retired. It's like, I'm like, I'm, I'm retiring before you can fire me type deal.
0: Right. It's a nice little workaround to get a little more money as if, you know, they didn't have enough based on their new career endeavors. Um, but yeah, I think what it seems right is, 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 that an organization like the USGA, I guess, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think Eamon Lynch was tweeting about this, but it's easier to find a reason to tell a player that he can't play in a USGA event if they already have faced disciplinary action from the PGA Tour. So right. if these guys are resigning and not facing any disciplinary action from the PGA Tour, then it really puts the onus on these organizations that organize the major championships to make their own punishment, which I think maybe they're hesitant to do.
1: No one wants to set the precedence, right? Exactly. No one yeah. no, The USGA just because they so happen to be in this the spot on the schedule that comes immediately following a live, the first live golf event does not want to set the precedent and say, we're taking a stand one way or another. We are either pro PGA tour. We're going to ride with them or we're not. And, And I think they would be just fine, not touching this and just kicking the can down the road and dealing with it when they are obligated to deal with it, as opposed to like the, the USGA really from a business sense, does not need to stick their neck out to protect the PGA Tour.
0: No, they sure don't. Let me ask you this question. This is something I'm kind of curious about. It seems like a lot of just listening to some of the quotes from the early press conferences today, it seems like a lot of the live players are pretty confident that they're going to be able to do both. I think most of them believe that the major championships are going to continue to let them play, and if you yeah. even kind of read the read between the lines with what DJ is saying, I think DJ maybe still believes that he's going to be able to play in future Ryder Cups and stuff as well. I, so I do you, that, Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so do you think that the? Do you think there is ever a scenario where a major cha, a USGA? Says that a DJ, a Gucci, a Kevin Na, a Louis who stays in, can't play no. in the, in their major. Yeah, me neither. No.
1: I I think the most likely. So if I was the USGA and I really and I was really adamant that I do not want these guys competing, I would not come out and make a statement or ban them or do anything. I would work behind the scenes with the other major championships and with the OWGR and make sure that these events are not getting the OWGR points. So that in two or three years, these guys aren't even eligible to play. We don't have to worry about taking a stand because we don't have to make a statement because uh, they're not eligible. And the only guys that will be eligible are the past winners for five years or whatever, or if you're the masters for life and it'll eventually resolve itself. I would never come out and say, we're not letting you do this. I would find a loophole to ensure they're not allowed
0: <laughs> right 100 i completely agree with you and i think the um i would say to me one of the biggest unanswered questions yet is how the owgr stuff is going to work because these guys if these guys aren't earning owgr points for the web events then in a very short period of time they're not going to be qualified for majors right because they're going to Correct. lose all these OWGR points to guys on the PGA Tour and the Asian Tour have do we have a definitive answer on whether this first live event is going to have OWGR points
1: we do have a definitive answer that the first will not have OWGR points that is that's official it's not listed on the website there's there's nothing for this first event but there's just a lot of speculation and and um you know, reports that uh, this, this goes in hand to hand. I think the, 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 most strategic thing the live golf guys did is they made a huge investment in the Asian tour, which right. is basically going to allow them to strong arm Asian tour events where they're going to say, okay, we're going to play like eight live golf events, but you guys go play like four times in these Asian tour events, get OWGR points there. And then also you'll then be able to play the majors.
0: I think it's funny that you get more OWGR points for playing in Tigers Hit and Giggle in the Bahamas than you do for playing in Liv's flagship event. You get more OWGR points for winning the Shadow Leaderboard at the Tour Championship than you do in the Live event. Yeah, it's uh, that's the tricky one. Because I think it's so funny with these guys, Rick, like less than a year ago, remember when Louie was finishing top fives in like every single major championship, mm. what happened to Louie? Like, it's just like <laughs> the narratives changed so quickly with this guy. Like, do we talk about enough about the fact that Phil Mickelson won the PGA championship at 50 years old? Um, it's so crazy to think about how fast things have changed uh, with a lot of these players.
1: Yeah, here are the uh the team names with their accompanying logos. Can I share this? There we go. How, okay. So, wow. They they have all this money. They couldn't hire a graphic designer. Four Aces, the Cleeks Golf Club, I have no idea what that means. Crushers, Fireballs, High Flyers, HY Flyers, Ironheads, Majestics, Majestics, Majestics. Majest-
0: I'm going to go with Majestics oh, probably. That- Yeah, that
1: makes more sense. Uh, Niblicks. What the hell is a Niblick? I don't know. Punch. That's just it. Punch, Smash, Stinger, and Torque. These are creative teams that you would find in like uh, the Golf Club 2016.
0: Yeah. I mean, there were, I mean, it's, I, I imagine that there has to be some sort of copyright infringement issue (laughs) with all of the professional sports leagues in America, right? So you knock out every single team name, you know, your, your warriors, right? Your NBA, NFL, all those different types of, of team names. I assume that there's something going on that they just have to think outside the box and get creative here. But isn't that a baseball with is that a golf ball or a baseball with the
1: fireballs golf club <laughs> i have there is a very similar logo i think it's from major league the movie yes. that looks yeah. just like that that's a baseball it looks like they they may have changed it to a uh slightly to a golf ball so the other thing is and this is the other thing that i think people are always forgetting this is just the field for london i there's going to be a very different field for portland when we get there are these teams staying or are i don't we think get so. like don't- I think they redraft. But I'm saying like, are, are the aces, the four aces, are they playing in Portland or are we going oh, to 12 okay. new teams?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's the interesting one. Maybe it's the, um, did you see they have team captains for each team? So yes. like, for example, can, Phil Mickelson. Yeah, Phil Mickelson is the captain for the high flyers. Does that mean that Phil is always on the high flyers and then he just drafts different players to be on his high flyers team? Every single week?
1: I don't know. So the captains are Dustin Johnson of the four aces, Graham McDowell of the Niblicks, Ian Poulter of the Majestics, Kevin Na of the Ironheads, Louis Eustacean of, that says Stinger, but I think the other picture said Stingers, Martin Keimer of the Cliques, Peter Huline got himself a captaincy for the Crushers, Phil Mickelson of the High Flyers, Sergio Garcia of the Fireballs, uh, Siwon Kim is Team Smash, Taylor Gooch, Team Torque, and Wade Ormsby of... The punch. Um, the other thing is, Andy, tonight's the draft. However, some of the teams are already set. Uh, I'm going to try to find this. There are some teams that are like the South. The three South African guys are, are playing together. Schwartzel, Grace, and Louis. And then they're going to draft one player. So some of these teams are already like half full.
0: Can we watch the draft, by the way? Because I would almost be more interested in watching the draft than I would be watching the actual golf. I'm
1: under the impression that uh, it's it's close to the media. I do not know if it is actually going to be aired anywhere. So here we go. The Maj- Team Majestics is set. Cap- uh, Captain Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, Sam Horsfield, Laurie Cantor. Team Stinger, Hal Stinger. Louis Eustace and Brandon grace, Charles Schwartzl. So they'll only pick one golfer. The majestics won't select at all. And then, Oh, here you go. Some players are not eligible to be picked and are on a team together as have pre agreed to play together as a team for a minimum of three <laughs> events. It's a package deal. Andy, that's like, if that's like, if we were negotiating contracts, I'd be like, Andy's got to, we got to do it together. It's a package deal.
0: Could you imagine, uh, like Adam silver coming up there in the NBA draft and being like, well, we're going to have to skip the second pick because there's already a (laughs) pre-agreed negotiation that's happened before where this guy is only going to this team. I mean, it is, it is very confusing to me. A lot of these things Um, is the, so how, how do we determine which team wins? Is it basically like college golf, how there is a individual winner like and then there is the aggregate score for each team which i guess the idea of that is to keep like for example if andy ogletree is like in last place in the tournament you need to still keep him engaged because his score counts for his team like i'm guessing that's how it works we need a rule sheet too we need a format sheet
1: so this is uh uh hold on let me share this other tab instead, or I'll just read it to you. So regular season events, the team event is where the scoring gets even more interesting over the first two rounds. The best two stroke play scores will count for each team for the third round. The best three scores will count with the lowest overall team score after 54 holes being named the team winner. I, listen, the, the PG, I admit two things. The PGA Tour is going to have a problem, especially if they cannot defend uh, the major championships. And this live golf thing is not going away. So I can agree that that is true. I can agree that this looks so f- stupid. Like, why would the first two rounds you take the two best scores and for the third round you take the best? It's like they're making up rules like I would when I was eleven.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of the thing that no one seems to really be talking about is the product for fans, like the actual, what is this going to look like? I think the spectacle around it and the news around it and the press conferences is so much fun to talk about and laugh about, but what happens when this is a really bad product for the fans, right? I've already talked a little bit about how, in my opinion, the lineup of golf courses that they got Is really really uninteresting. I mean, it's it's. I'm telling you right now, if you struggle watching the Byron Nelson at TPC Craig Ranch, I don't think you're gonna have. I don't think you're gonna see the types of uh, shot values that you see at a Southern Hills at or Riviera at Centurion Golf Club um, or Doral, a course that I played a couple months ago. Either. So, what I'm trying to figure out is. With the team aspect of it, with the golf course aspect of it, with the player aspect of it, is this going to create a product to us as consumers that once we get past the original skeptical of the kind of everyone wants to watch just because they're so curious about it, once we get past the curiosity factor, what is the angle here for putting butts in seats? I don't know, and when you launch
1: something that is brand new that already has a lot of confusion around it, the actual format of the events should be fairly simple, in my opinion, because there's no need to add in nine other layers of confusion into this whole thing, which is what they have seemed to done a done a great job of
0: and that was kind of sim- that was the point that I was making too a little bit is that watching rich golfers become more rich. That is not an angle. That is not an angle that you can take for compelling golf for consumers, right? That's why the FedEx cup has become a bit of a joke to a lot of fans is that it's not interesting for us to watch rich players get richer. What's interesting for us is to watch players slip on green jackets, right. And, and have real stakes. That's what's compelling to us as sports fans. Right. And so that's the thing that I'm trying to figure out with live is what is the angle? What is the stakes? Because it can't just be competing for money because that's awesome for the players, but that's not interesting to fans.
1: I agree. Cause I already thought the money that they were playing for on the PGA tour was outrageous. <laughs> right.
0: And I don't think any, and I don't care. Yeah. Fans aren't watching to, to see them compete for money. They're watching like they're watching, you're watching the masters because of the history around the masters. And you feel like right. what you're watching is important. How do you define if what we're watching is important? Like I made a joke. I'm, I'm very nerdy with the way that I kind of, keep a running list of like the best golfers of all time based on their resume. And I love kind of the history of the game in that aspect right now. I have Dustin Johnson. as like the 30th greatest golfer of all time. If his career ended today, if he wins the first live event, do I like move him up to 29? Like, what does it mean? I, I don't understand why any of this stuff means. How do we, how do we evaluate if DJ's in good form? How do we evaluate if Gooch is playing well, right? It's, it's so many questions, Rick. So many questions, so few answers.
1: I'm sure there will be more questions and more things that we will need to figure out because this week and ensuing weeks are going to be uh, quite interesting, but we got we to gotta put a pin in this. We got to move on. Um, we've got to talk about the RBC Canadian Open. I've got to I've get your opinion on the golf course. We haven't seen it uh, since 2010, and there's been a lot of work done to it since. We will hit that after we hear a word about Andy's podcast. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. All right, Andy, hard pivot here back to the PGA Tour, going back to Canada for the first time since 2019, going back to St. George's for the first time since 2010. Not to be confused with Royal St. George's. That's a completely different golf course on a completely different continent. Uh, But St. George's Golf and Country Club, Stanley Thompson design. The photos look great. Uh, Looks like it's going to be pretty tricky, pretty tough, small greens. Andy,
0: how do you uh, assess the tour's chances this week? I'm excited. For this golf course, Rick, this is a pretty good goal. I have a lot of respect for for Stanley Thompson as an architect. He's probably the most uh, prestigious and notable architect in Canada. He's done a lot of great work up there. And I think the way that I described it, Rick, and kind of the previews that I did is it's a lot of um, kind of like if TPC Potomac and Mirfield Village had a baby, right? It's like Tree lined, bent grass, narrow fairways, a lot of elevation changes. Tom Doak re- came in and redid the greens in 2014. So there's a lot of undulation uh, with these greens, very deep bunkers, right? So I think we're going to get that, you know, tree lined, parkland, narrow kind of feel to it with some thicker rough. Um, that I generally like to see, I think that makes for good golf on television. So I'm really excited for the, for the task at hand this week. I don't think it's going to be like, a a nothing birdie fest. I think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be super, super tough, but you know, I think it'll be like a 14, 15 under this week. If I had to make a guess.
1: Well, that's always my issue is I'm like, Oh, like I look at it. I'm like, Holy crap. That looks hard, but then you get the best players in the world out there. And sometimes they scorch it. And I never really know how to kind of assess what we're going to get. Exactly. Does that make sense?
0: hundred percent makes sense. And that's, what's tricky is you look at these golf courses on paper and it's so, I always tend to underestimate how good these guys are. Right. So on paper to me, I think this looks, this should be a test, but I, you know, Carl Peterson and the golf course has changed a lot since 2010. I don't think that, you know, looking at anything from 2010 is, is super, super useful this week. But like Carl Peterson shot a 60 in 2010 on this golf course. Um, So I, I, I don't want to rule out the possibility that maybe this gets to 18, 19, 20 under, but from all the reports that I've heard on the ground, um, our mutual friend, uh, Eric Patterson, I think is going to be there all three days. Um, the rough is pretty grown out and I think tournament organizers, if they were smart, um, they would provide, you know, a test that is at least in the ballpark of something similar for the U S open, because that's what players are right. really looking for. Right.
1: Yeah, they can, the, the rough probably sit, uh, probably sit close to like four inches or something like that. I I, I hope this shows well on television because it appears, it, it it appears like there's a lot of. Um, I don't want to say elevation change, but like kind of maybe different like levels of, of from fairway to green. And then also these little tiny greens are seemingly so well protected with bunkers. I'm excited to see how it actually looks on TV.
0: I think it's going to look great, Rick. I mean, this is a um, this is a course that I think is rated as our friends over at Golf Digest have it as one of the best golf courses in the world. I think it's a yeah. top five golf course considered in canada and it, and i think it has that um Mirfield village augusta national vibe of just incredible maintenance like you walk onto the property and not a blade of grass feels like it's in the wrong place i think this golf course is maintained incredibly well and that should make for some really good viewing on television as well
1: well, it's um we can continue this discussion because when we have a new golf course, we don't have any data. It's a little bit of a guessing game when we get to kind of handicapping this a little bit for all of our fantasy purposes, for our props purposes, all that fun stuff. So, um, we are indeed presented by Prize Picks. Uh, the code that'll get you a deposit bonus is is Rick. There's a link in the description. I'm gonna pull up the board, Andy, from Prize Picks, and we've got to continue to talk through this because they've set. The stroke uh, the stroke lines at a particular score that I'd like to get your opinion on and talk about birdies are better. Um, we will hit that and continue this conversation after this quick word. I've recently started using Juice Reel as a way to track all my bets in real time. Since I can sync the app to all my sports books, I don't miss any wager and I've learned a ton more about my betting habits. There are built-in line shopping features, so I know that I'm always getting the best lines available, and once the game starts, I can see the value of my bets fluctuate in real time with the scoring so that I always have an understanding of my expected value. The performance analytics have made me much more knowledgeable about the bets that I have the most success at, hint, top tens, and there's no going back for me. Download the Juice Reel app with the link in the description. All right, Andy, here's the board over at Prize Picks. And let's continue this course conversation with what they have assigned for most of the round one stroke props. 68 seems to be the favorite. Uh, the highest are 68 and a half. So we've got Fitzpatrick, Burns, Fee, now Connors. Reed, Lowry, and Hatton at 65 and a half, or excuse me, 68 and a half. And then uh, Scheffler, Cam Smith, Justin Thomas, and Rory McIlroy at 68. That's two under, right? This is a par 70, 7,000 yards, five par threes, three par fives, which is kind of a unique layout. How did, how does 68 sound to you?
0: It sounds pretty fair because I think that the scoring average is not going to be two strokes under par. That's a lot. I think it will be maybe one stroke under par or 0.75 under par, but they're giving us the best players in the field, right? And the back end of this field is really, really terrible. Um, So I think 68 to me feels pretty fair. I will say with these players, I'm probably leading more towards unders actually because golf courses like this tend to get more difficult as the week goes on. So I could see probably Thursday being the easiest, uh, day. And then I don't think we're getting much rain between Thursday and Sunday. Maybe the course firms up a little bit. So like, I mean, I'm really high on a guy like Fitzpatrick this week. Um, I think he's a guy who can get off to a good start. Um, I love Corey Connors this week as well. Like All these guys at 68.5, Rick, now too. Those guys at 68.5 where you get the extra half stroke but are still very good players, I would probably probably lean towards the under on those. What about you?
1: Yeah, Fitzpatrick and Connors were certainly on my short list. Fitzpatrick lost like seven strokes putting at Muirfield Village last week, which is like his worst ever. I can't imagine that happens again. The other one I want to get your thought on is Patrick Reed. Who, mm. um, you know, you and I have talked about this. I've already bet him for the U.S. Open. I, I think that, I think that this is a really good two-week stretch for him. Uh, not just from the eye test of saying, well, these are small greens at 4,000 square feet on average, so a lot of guys are playing from green side, but also the stats back that up. If you look at all the results from the last five years of courses with 5,000 square feet greens or short or smaller, which is uh, small on the PGA Tour, Rory's number one. Patrick Reed is number 2 and it's just because like he's so good around the green he's such a good putter that if everybody's playing pitch and putt if everybody's playing get it up and down he's kind of the guy for that.
0: Right, which is why both you and I have already have tickets on him for next week's US Open at Brookline with microscopic greens. Yeah. Um I you know Reed is tricky he for 2 weeks in a row he had really really good Ball striking performances at the PGA championship and Colonial. That kind of regressed um at Memorial, but I still think long term he's trending in the right direction. Um, I think he's going, he's not somebody that I bet he's probably not somebody in my draft kings pool. I think as somebody who's holding a US Open ticket for Reed, best case scenario, I want him to show me something ball striking, but like not contend. If that right. makes sense, almost like the Matthew Fitzpatrick stat line that we got last week, where the ball striking looks good, but maybe he struggles to putt a little bit. But I don't know. Are you more bullish on his chances this week or at the U.S. Open next week? Obviously, in terms of this uh, is an easier tournament to win, but you kind of yeah. know what I mean. Now.
1: Yeah, I think I still think it's probably this week. I mean, I think this. I think this this field is is quite top heavy, and it drops right. off very quickly. And he's kind of in the next tier of. Okay, I could steal this thing and I am better than 75% of the field or whatever it ends up being. So it's it's probably this week, but yeah, I've got a ticket on him for next week. I'll, I'll, I'll roll into Brookline with all with all Patty Reed. These birdies are better matchups. They're begging us, Andy. They're begging us to walk into the trap or to take their money. Scotty Scheffler versus HV3, Cam Smith versus Justin Rose, uh, Rory McElroy versus Adam Hadwin, Matt Fitzpatrick versus Sahith Tagala. These guys are not the same. What is happening?
0: It's uh, all the, yeah. I mean, Terrell Hatton versus Danny Lee. I didn't even Come know on. Danny Lee was I didn't even know Danny Lee was playing this week. Um Yes. yes.
1: Let me, let me look that up while you do that. I'm going to look up the odds for Terrell Hatton this week and Danny Lee this week.
0: Okay. I'll, um I'll wrap out on a couple of these guys while we wait. You know, I think when it's a discrepancy like this, when it's between Terrell Hatton and Danny Lee, I think you keep taking the better player until maybe you get to a situation where, it's it's very evident that there's some other weird forces at play here because I don't see how you justify taking the other side of that. I mean, even if it's just like – even if there's some crazy stat, right, where you go through the numbers, which you've done such an excellent job of doing um, on Rick Run Good to kind of create, okay, see who has a higher birdie percent, birdie or better percentage per round. Even if some of these guys are like sneaky higher than you think, like a Davis Riley, for example, who I think was matched up against Rom last week, and you actually look at the birdie percentage and it's like they're a lot closer than you think. I still have a hard time justifying not taking the better player in these.
1: Terrell Hatton is twenty-two to one to win the RBC Canadian Open. Danny Lee is three hundred to one to win the RBC Canadian Open. Now that is obviously that would obviously be much smaller if this was a true round one matchup. Hatton wouldn't be that big of a favorite, but he'd be a, he'd be a sizable favorite. So I, I agree with you. Um, I, I think we kind of got a mixed bag the last time we did this. I will. Assume we're right until something tells us otherwise.
0: I think it's too small of a sample size. I think we all, Andy's saying in the chat, I had Rum versus Riley loss, Cantley versus Power loss. I think I had both of those two and lost both of them too. But the one thing that I always say about like DraftKings and your betting strategies. You got to stick with it for a large enough sample size to make a conclusion to see if you're doing something wrong. The worst mistake that you can make is play in one contest for DraftKings one week, say, oh, it didn't work. I lost all my money this week. I'm going to try a completely different strategy and play in a completely different contest. Like, No, you got to ride it out for a couple of weeks and and kind of see if there's a trend that you can figure out. So I'm going to keep riding this one out for a couple of weeks and before I make a huge decision. Um, and Jay, like Jay's right, like Danny Lee, just as somebody that I play Danny Lee way more than I should. He does make an abnormal amount of. He does like outscore his finishing position in DraftKings every single week
1: because he gives it back with doubles and triples.
0: hundred percent, percent. The
1: other thing I wanted to say about that, yeah, I think I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think like of the twenty four matchups last week, I think. 13 of them were won by the better golfer, which is, you know, a hair more than 50%. It's a very small sample size, but like I think we got to continue to run it out. Okay, real real quick, because we got to move on. But um greens and regulation and birdies are better. This is a lot easier, Andy, when we have history from the golf course. So we're we're blindly guessing on birdies are better or or greens and regulation. Probably something that I would um I would kind of stay away from, but greens and regulation, we know they're small greens. Some of these are high. at 13. Yeah. Yeah. It looks right? high.
0: I like the who's, so who's at 13, um, Scheffler,
1: Smith, Thomas and yeah. Connors. I,
0: I like like an, uh, I like under 13 cam Smith a lot. Um, his, his irons kind of started to regress a little bit back to the mean last week. So you're asking cam Smith to hit 13 greens, which is like a, really, really good approach round on a course with giant greens and easy greens to hit. Um, I think that's too high. This is kind of the only category where it seems like unanimously, the numbers are just a, a touch too high. I feel like they always have greens in regulation a touch too high. I agree. And when you start watching, when you start watching golf,
1: and watching every shot from a player, you realize they kind of miss a lot of greens or at least more greens than you think they would. Like you think pros are like, oh, he's sitting in the middle of the fairway. He's going to hit this green. And then he like yanks it three yards left. And he's like, it, it's yeah,
0: these guys miss 100 percent. And the <laughs> only difference between you and I and and those guys I'm being facetious here, but is that they just they make par anyway and just get it up and down every single yeah, time. That's the only that's every the only single thing. Time only difference between us. Yeah.
1: All right. We've got still a lot to do matchups and one and done. Uh, we will jump into the matchups and roll through those, uh, on the other side. If you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rom. The golf specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props that's right what score will a golfer make on a specific hole i have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries and now prize picks is offering a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 dollars just use the code rick at sign up or click the link in the description that's code rick good luck head to head matchups Andy you and i were both 2 and 3 last week 38 45 and 4 for me 48 30 and 4 for you we've got to uh kind of roll through these a little bit here Sam Burns versus Terrell Hatton is number 1 uh you went with the Englishman i went with Sam Burns
0: yeah, I mean, I'm probably taking the underdog here. I think Sam Burns is probably a deserving favorite in this matchup. I would imagine he's in like the minus 130 or minus 140 range. Um, I think Tyrell Hatton might win this week. I bet Tyrell Hatton to win. So um, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and uh, ride the fiery Englishman and hope that he does not get too triggered by the uh, the dope greens and the uh, the interesting architecture.
1: These two were basically the two guys that I considered for one and done. And I almost picked Terrell and I, and I just decided on Burns kind of like last second. So I, I agree. I I quite enjoy both of these guys. Um, I I just like the way Burns is listen. He generally plays well after a win. He's had a week off. He is a very even keel guy. He's got obviously a great skill set. I just kind of could not resist Sam Burns, but, um, it, it, it's I think it's a great spot for, for Terrell as well.
0: Yeah. No it no issue with either the I will say this about Burns too. When Burns kind of gets going and starts putting well, it can go on for a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. Corey Connors versus H V three. You and I are both on the same side of this. It's the uh the home the home field advantage for Corey Connors, who has been uh reportedly playing St. George's uh quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. We will both take him over over Harold Varner, the third.
0: Um, not only has Corey Connors been playing a lot of St. George's, but I've also received word from a listener of the Scramble, by the way, um, that uh Harold Varner was seen playing Eugene Country Club in Oregon yesterday, and he's actually playing Bandon Dunes today. So HV three might not get to site. I mean, watch him win now, but I he know. may not get to site until Wednesday and really have a peek at this course at all before T on Thursday. So I'll rock with Corey Connors. Why do you think he would do that? I think it probably has something to do with, well, first of all, we have to keep in mind HV three is an RBC guy, right? So he's got to oh. play. He's got to play this event. And a lot of the time, Rick, like, these guys get invited to these corporate outings or stuff like that. And they just kind of, it's part of the job. They just kind of got to go and kind of got to go and make it work. If I was a professional golfer, I, I think they get invited to a bunch of clubs and stuff. And so I think they just kind of, you know, do their thing. Do their thing. They will Rory
1: McElroy versus cam Smith is next. Uh, I saw that you took Rory. And I went with Cam Smith. I am not super thrilled because I think, as we know, Cam Smith's deficiency is getting loose with the driver. And if he's loose with the driver here, Andy, I I, I worry big time. But he's proven that kind of the rest of his game is able to uh, often make up for that deficiency.
0: Um, I yeah, I'm going with Rory. I'm surprised you kind of zagged and went yeah. Cam Smith. I think this is a pretty perfect. Spot for uh for Rory. By the way, Jay gave the right answer just to put a bow on the H V three thing. Uh oh. it's probably a Nike thing, right? Because yeah, he's a Jordan he's brand Oregon. guy. That's why he's in Oregon and Jordan brand's owned by Nike. So thank you, Jay. You articulated that better than I was <laughs> than I was actually able to. But yeah, I think Rory's kind of a slam dunk this dunk this week.
1: I hated what Rory did on the weekend last week. Obviously, but like, it just, I don't know, man. It just always feels disappointing with Rory. even his best rounds. I'm like, he left three out there and I know it is only Rory that I score that way. And it's only Rory that I score on why didn't he win this golf tournament that he was within two shots on Friday night. Like I already, I already gave that to him. He should like, I, I know that's not fair, but it's still, I still find myself probably incorrectly biased against him.
0: Can I ask you a Quick question on Rory. What do you think is a better bet? Rory 10 to 1 to win this week or 16 to 1 to win the US Open next week? Probably,
1: probably this week, right?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that's the right answer. Yeah. Matt Fitzpatrick, Shane Lowry.
1: I went with Lowry. He's been awesome, dude. He's just been he's just been legit awesome for six months. He's creative and strong around the greens. He's great out of bunkers. We didn't really even talk about that. There's like a billion bunkers out here. If you miss some of these greens,
0: I I
1: just went with Lowry.
0: I'm happy to go with Fitz here. Another guy that I bet this week. I I like have a con. It's concerning how much I end up playing Fitz Patrick at this point. A guy with braces who who wears sketchers and dresses like me when I was 11 years old. Um, but he's really good, Rick. Uh, he is, he is making tangible improvements to his game, right? I think the transformation that Fitzpatrick has completed off the tee is not only admirable, it's gotta be one of the biggest, um, improvements that i've seen out of a specific skill set for a player maybe neiman's around the green play but what fitzpatrick has turned into off the tee maybe cam smith's irons is up there too that's another good podcast idea to look at stuff like that but fitzpatrick has turned into like an elite driver of the golf ball and you look at his best success tpc potomac second valderrama on the european tour a lot of his wins on the european tour there are these narrow tree-lined Parkland courses. So sign me up for some Fitzpatrick.
1: Finally, Scotty Scheffler versus Justin Thomas. Super love both of these guys, but Scheffler legitimately has had one event where he had his D game. He missed the, he had a great missed cut at the PGA Championship. He had his C game and went to a playoff with Sam Burns it's jarring how well Scotty Scheffler grades out the way he's been doing it, how he scores, how consistent he's been. I'll take Scotty.
0: Don't you think Rick, if, uh, if any other player was doing this, like if Justin Thomas or John Rahm was just putting up the results that Scotty Scheffler is putting up, don't you think he'd be like 30% in DraftKings every single week? And he's just like, not, there's he's just not, I mean, he was single digits at colonial and in, in some spots. And I say all this while I take Justin Thomas.
1: Cause it's like, Oh, hum, Scotty <laughs> Scheffler. What a fun guy just out there playing golf. He's on a heater, blah, blah, blah. It's like, nah, Scotty might, might be a killer, but he just doesn't show it. And he's doing it all the golf. It's, it is, it is really weird. No one, he's gotta be like the least respected number one golfer in my lifetime. 100%.
0: Yeah. And I think part of it is like the eye test, maybe like, I guess it doesn't always look pretty with Scotty Scheffler. Like you look at somebody like a John Rahm or a Dustin Johnson, their swing is so balanced and it, it their, their tempo is, is so consistent and the same every time where you have a guy like Scotty Sheffler, where his footwork is a little bit wonky. He's got these helicopter finishes sometimes. So you know, it doesn't always look pretty, but he gets the ball in the hole. So I agree with you. I has a good take on, on Scotty Sheffard being disrespected. And yet I still am taking Justin Thomas coming off a miscut. So,
1: uh, speaking of miscuts one and done. Oh God, I missed such a big opportunity here. So you had a who got disqualified. Amazing. I was, I was doing cartwheels. It was the best thing I'd ever seen. Morikawa was a couple of shots within the cut line. He ejects on Friday, misses the cut. And we, for the first time, I believe this year, got matching zeros.
0: Yeah, I dodged a major bullet, a major bullet. And this to me felt like, you know, in a a final series where maybe you guys have won like three games in a row, And I needed to win like one game to get some semblance of momentum back on my side. I wouldn't say the situation is completely neutralized. I would still say that you have most of the momentum, but, but Murakawa getting you zero. I feel like, okay, all right. I'm still, I'm still in the driver's seat here. Let's not get crazy and do anything too stupid. You know, I considered Rick like a, like an Adam Hadwin this week. Um, and I was just like, you know what, let me look through the odds board and take the guy that I believe is like, this is the the best combination of odds in terms of later places to use him. And I landed on Tony Finau, who I think is the T to green game is coming around and I think feels feels like a pretty safe bet at this point. So I, I'm feeling pretty good about it.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite warming on now. You know, I, I think he is a different version of himself than we've seen basically for his career. This is a different version of, of now. He's not the bomber that he used to be. Um, there's a couple other aspects of his game that he, he's not as strong with. This is definitely the worst season of his career, but he's still very, very good. And, you know, I, I, you know, the, the ability to, to make a bunch of birdies and the ability to get hot, it's still there. So I'm, I'm, I'm warming on, on fee now. I'm a bit worried about that. I will, I will, uh, counteract that with Sam Burns, who I alluded to earlier. It was Terrell or Sam. I opted for Sam.
0: I can't argue with that. I was doing a little bit of a deep dive. I alluded to this a little bit earlier with, um, Burns putting, and a lot of players, when they gain a bunch of strokes putting, it's kind of like a seesaw effect where it's like they go down and then they go up. Burns, one thing I've noticed with him is like once he goes up, he stays up with his putting for a sustained period of time. And so now he's gained like over four strokes putting in back-to-back starts. And he did that last year in like three or four starts in a row where he reeled off another win in there too. So yeah. – um I've got nothing bad to say about Sam Burns. Uh, I hope Tony can can hang with him and outplay him this week.
1: We shall see. Um, and we are sprinting towards the finish line of this season. Before you know it, we'll have the U.S. Open. I'm sure that conversation will start any second now. Right. And then yeah. uh, we will move on uh, to that as soon as this event is over. We'll be back on Friday, same time, same place. It is uh, 12 p.m. Eastern time on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Uh, Andy Lack can be found on Twitter at ADP Lack Sports. You can find me at Rick Run Good. Armina does all the hard work behind the scenes, and she is going to kick us into the outro right now. Goodbye.